0: I dare you to be a Daniel. What an exciting book and what a timely book. Man, this guy was awesome. We have so many incredible stories coming up, so many incredible lessons. We have the 70 weeks prophecy, spiritual warfare, the second coming, the rapture, the resurrection. This is an exciting book, and I'm excited to present it to you on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Back to Daniel 9. This is what the Messiah is going to do. Right now, even though Jesus, and this is some theological waters that people wrestle with, but in Calvinistic thought, some Calvinists believe in what's called limited atonement. They believe that Jesus' blood shed on the cross, his death on the cross, is limited to only those who believe. But 1 John 2.2 says that Jesus died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. His blood, his death, is sufficient to cleanse every single human being that will ever live from their sin. But the key is, you must receive it. To as many as received him, To them, he gave the authority to become what? The sons of God. So you must believe to have the blood applied to you. You must receive the gift to be saved. If you have not received the atoning, propitiatory sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, even though it's been paid for, it's not yours. Therefore, your sins are not dealt with and therefore you will be under the judgment of God. You see, the only way sin gets atoned is if it's applied to you. And so you must, I must have a moment when I say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying on that cross for me. I believe, I receive, I ask you to save me, to cleanse me. I wanna be born again of your Holy Spirit. That's when you get saved and not before then. So the gift is there, but I must take it for myself. I must receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's when the atoning work of Christ gets applied to you. Everybody with me? And for Israel, the subject of our prophecy, they have largely not applied it. For many in Israel, sadly, Jesus is a joke. Uh, they they don't want to give him another thought. They don't believe that he can be the Messiah. Therefore, they remain in unbelief, and in remaining in unbelief, they don't have the atonement for their sins. They don't have a temple anymore. There are no animal sacrifices. Not that that would matter anyway, because animal sacrifices can't cleanse you from your sin anyway. And so um, here's the issue. And so these six things in verse twenty four to atone for sin to bring in everlasting righteousness. All of these things can only happen once you know Jesus. Then your sins get atoned for it. Look at, uh, go back to Daniel 9 and look at verse 24. Keeping in mind that the main audience is the Jewish people, but so to finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, how do you end up, are you righteous before God tonight as a Christian? Yes, how? By the blood of Jesus, by that new and living way. So the problem with Israel is that they were pursuing a law of righteousness and did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. The biggest problem with Israel is unbelief. You see, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. And today, if you're in Christ, Jesus, uh, the Father, sees you as righteous because the work of the Son has been applied to your life. How many of you can remember the balloon within the balloon at uh, Disneyland? Did you ever get one of those? All right, so it didn't have the Mickey ears on it. And it was a balloon within a balloon. And if... And if you were young, you kind of walk. wow, wow. Anyway, well, this is a very poor illustration, but go with me. So your life is the balloon within the balloon. God the Father sees you through the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ. You have what's called imputed righteousness. Not only are you forgiven of your sin, But the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been applied to your account by faith. What theologians call the great exchange of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and I came into a relationship with him, his sacrificial death and righteousness goes to my account and all my sin was put on him at the cross. Here's what it is, the great exchange of the cross. My sin went to him, his righteousness comes to me. Pretty good deal, ain't it? And by the way, it costs you nothing. It's solely work on the, uh, solely based on the finished work and the payment of Jesus Christ who from the cross said it is finished, which means paid in, not partially paid. Many of us are thinking of the bills that we have partially paid. Man, wow, well, only 24 more easy payments and I'll be <laughs> done with that. But one payment was made once for all for those who are in Jesus Christ. My salvation shall be forever. My righteousness shall not wane, Isaiah 51, 6. The days are coming, Jeremiah 23, 5, declares the Lord when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch. He will reign as king and act wisely, do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely and this is his name by which we will be called the Lord our righteousness. That's Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Verse 24 also says that that, uh, prophecy and uh, they will seal up vision and prophecy. Flip over to Daniel 12 for a second. I believe there's a direct application here. We'll dig this out when we get there, but here's a preview. Daniel 12, verse 1. Now at that time, Michael, one of my favorite guys in the Bible right there, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, that's Israel, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight, That's what Daniel's getting now. Will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and what? Seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Now some of you have heard that Daniel 12.4 means that in the last days there will be travel, Airplanes and trains and automobiles and the like. We don't think that's what this means. It may well mean that in the last days, the Jewish people will be scouring the book of Daniel to understand the prophecies within it. I even heard someone recently say that, I don't know if it's all of Judaism or a part of it, pronounces a curse on those who read the book of Daniel. Where did that come from? And also, uh, Isaiah 53. They don't wanna read that in the synagogues either, why? <laughs> because it points directly to the Messiah. To anoint is mashach. Uh, back in Daniel 9, the most holy place is added by the translators. It could be the Messiah, some see his baptism here, uh, others see the anointing of the temple. So we're in Daniel 9, 25. So you are to know and discern, as Gabriel continues, that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, the word could be translated prince or king, there will be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. Now, I know you, some of you haven't been into school for a long time, but 62 plus seven is class 69. Some of you w- will not speak no matter how easy I make it. I've heard a guy speak recently and he said, he would ask a question and he would say, all right, how many of you, and people would raise their hands and he said, all right, how many of you will not raise your hand no matter what I ask? And the people go, should I raise my hand now? Well, there's going to be these 69 weeks and there's going to be, verse 25, from an issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem Until Messiah, the king or the prince, there's going to be seven weeks plus 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks of years. So the way you have to think of it is 69 times seven. Okay, come back to that in a moment. And it will be built again, Jerusalem will, with the plaza and the moat. New King James says the street shall be built again and the wall even in times of distress. I got to move quickly, but I'll tell you, there are three major views of this decree. Either it was a decree issued by Cyrus in 2 Chronicles 36.23, which came in 538 BC, which uh, had to do with the temple. A second option is Artaxerxes I, issuing a decree in the seventh year of his reign, about 457, 458 BC, regarding the temple or a third possibility, from Artaxerxes Longimanus, which came in 445 B.C., which had to do with the rebuilding of the temple, or excuse me, the city of Jerusalem, not the temple, but the city, and that's located in the book of Nehemiah. Just write this down for your notes. It's Nehemiah 2.1. How many of you have studied the book of Nehemiah? Raise your hand. How many of you won't raise your hand no matter what I ask? Okay, Um, so, Nehemiah 2.1, what's Nehemiah's burden? He wants to go back and rebuild what? The walls. What does he rebuild them in? What is it, 52 days? So he rallies the nation and bays it in prayer and gets the blessing of the king and goes back. That's the book that I believe the decree is issued in, and we know the date. And there's a book by uh, Sir Robert Anderson, The Coming Prince, which pinpoints this, but the date was 445 B.C., So the decree to restore... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... The book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walking Truth. So he rallies the nation and bays it in prayer and gets the blessing of the king and goes back. That's the book that I believe the decree is issued in and we know the date. And there's a book by uh, Sir Robert Anderson, The Coming Prince, which pinpoints this, but the date was 445 BC. So the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem is recorded in Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8. And it was issued uh, in 445 B.C., all right? So there's a mathematical prophecy here. If you take 69 weeks times seven, remember there are years, you get 483 years from 445 B.C., When do you think the Messiah entered the world and began his public ministry? Most believe from about AD 26 to 30, maybe 32, 33. So just think, 445, remember the end of the Old Testament is about 400, Malachi ends about 400, 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew called the intertestamental period. I know that this is a little technical, but stay with me. From 445, a decree was issued to rebuild the city until the Messiah the Prince comes will be 69 times seven or 483 years. Let's throw up the first slide so people can get an idea of what this looks like. Okay, so uh, 445 BC in the spring is the prophecy, 62 times, uh, you have one seven plus the 62 times seven, that's a little bit confusing, we'll see that in the next verse, but taking together it's 483 years. See the cross up there? That's when Messiah the, Messiah the prince or the king comes, then you have the church age and then, and then going on through there. Let's go to the next slide. This may uh, let you see the numbers a little easier. So the decree of Artaxerxes Longimanus was on March 14th, 445 BC to let Nehemiah go back and rebuild these, uh, the walls. So you can see that the book of Daniel, that's the LXX, was written, uh, you know, The Septuagint was written 300 years earlier, so it has to be a valid prophecy is the idea there. From 445, this is from Chuck Missler by the way, from 445 BC middle bottom to 32 AD is 173,740 days. From March 14th to April 6th is 24 days. You count in the leap years and you get 173,880 days, which is the exact number of the prophecy which takes you to April 6th, 32 AD, which is the belief that that's the time that the Messiah Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That's the prophecy. Now, there are people who debate the starting point and some other things and maybe the year zero. And so I will save you some headaches just to tell you there's some debate on this. But... I have no problem believing that God prophesied the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ to the very day. And remember that when uh, there's this messianic expectation in the temple from Simeon and um, who is the woman in the temple, Anna, Um, remember that they probably have read this prophecy. And understand that the Messiah had to arrive within this window, which very much narrows who the Messiah can be. Because the prophecy is given for the window of time in the late 20s AD to the early 30s AD that that's when the Messiah had to come and and do what he was going to do. Die for the sins of my people Israel and for the world. And so after the 62 weeks, 434 years, and some believe that you can take that first seven years as the career of uh, Nehemiah, some believe you can take the first seven years plus the 62 to get back to the 69, sorry if I'm confusing you, by talking about the end of the Old Testament. You can wrestle with that one. But here's what we do know. From the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince, 173,000, 880 days from Gabriel's lips to Daniel's ears to the book of Daniel. There it is. And this has given people chills because this is all future to Daniel. The first coming to Daniel is future. For us, we're looking back, but for Daniel, the first coming of Jesus is future. 500 years or so. Then after 62 weeks, 434 years, Daniel 9.26 some of you are gonna come and eat ibuprofen after this. The Messiah, the anointed one, will be cut off. He'll be killed and have nothing. New King James, he'll be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city, Gabriel speaking to Daniel, hundreds of years before, and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war, Note it, Bible students, desolations, plural, are determined. Now here's where I see a near far fulfillment The first coming of the Messiah, he was cut off, but not for himself. He was killed. Then the city of Jerusalem was destroyed about 40-plus years or around 40 years later in 70 A.D., Titus Vespasian came in, his dad was called away, came in with Roman troops and leveled Jerusalem to the ground. Not one stone was left upon another. And Jesus, when he rides in on the triumphal entry, he presents himself as king to Israel, riding on the foal uh, uh, of a colt, the donkey's foal. He says, if you had known in this very day the things which make for shalom, you should have known that I was coming on this day. You should have studied Daniel 9. But now, these things are hidden from your eyes. And then he begins to prophesy the fall of Jerusalem. And there are many who believe that the coming prince is not just about the Roman army uh, devastating Jerusalem in 70 AD. But a, there's a final fulfillment of this, and It's in verse 27. Let's take a look. And he, many see the most natural antecedent, the nearest preceding possibility. He will make a firm covenant, this prince. uh, Notice, let's just make sure we've got it down. So it's the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. That can't be Jesus. That's gotta be some coming uh, uh, ruler. Remember that the Final Antichrist seems to be from the Roman Empire or a revived Roman Empire. That's something that we've talked about. So he, most see the Antichrist here, will make a firm covenant with the many for what? For one week. Now, we already know, Bible students, that's seven years. But in the middle of the week, he, and we believe the Antichrist here, will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of abominations will come one will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate very difficult language but let me just summarize jesus said when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place Then Matthew says, Matthew 24, 15, let the reader understand, loose interpretation, get out of the house. Don't go back to get your coat. Don't go back into the city because these are the days of vengeance. And in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, don't have time to go there tonight, Jesus lays out the prophecy of the end of the age. And so the panorama of Daniel 9 24, 27 through 27 takes us for Daniel's questions about his people to the first coming of the Messiah, to the coming of the Antichrist, and then the final second coming of Jesus Christ when he will uh, destroy the Antichrist with the breath of his coming. Father, we have uh, so much to just try to digest at this very moment. Thank you for your people and their patience uh, moving through a a more of a technical uh, section here. But thank you that this prophecy is amazing. And I believe that to the very day Gabriel told Daniel, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day when Messiah... To answer your question, Daniel, your Messiah is coming. Gabriel might say, I spend time with him every day, and I've been dispatched to tell you that there's hope for your people. Despite the Babylonian captivity, despite the questions, there is a deliverer. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the prince. He's the king. If you don't know him tonight, would you keep your head and heart bowed and just say, Lord, your Bible amazes me. I want to know who you are. I want to know this one that rode into Jerusalem to, to save me and this one who is coming again. I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Pray it if it's you. I believe you rose from the dead and I want that atoning work to be applied to my life. I want to be saved. Father, for those who may be crying out at this very moment in their hearts, would you save them? Would you just just shower them with your love and your goodness and your truth? For all those who do know you, I just pray that we would dare to be Daniels and Danielle's. <laughs> I pray, Father, that you'd find us strong and even when we're weak, we can be strong. Even when we're weary like Daniel, we can have hope. We can know that you know our name, that you hear our prayers, that you know our pain, and you know our cares. And I pray that your healing presence, your goodness, your loving kindness would shower your people. For those who have made decisions tonight to draw uh, nearer to you, for those who have received you for the first time, for Christians who are fighting the good fight, may you strengthen your bride tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now and we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844 844- 48 truth and we'll get this product in your hands and for a donation of twenty dollars or more you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with god's truth this holiday season we appreciate it we love you god bless you thanks for listening to walk in truth encouraging you to reach out with god's truth to all people